welcome to this King's Church talk. We hope that you really enjoy it. If you have any questions, please email us on admin at kingscc.org or you can go to the website www.kingscc.org. Thank you. Good morning. I'm going to read a single verse from Acts 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. As Roger explained last week, we have been working through the second chapter of Acts as it has a strategic message for us, even and perhaps especially in the times we are living through. This single verse is going to be the subject of three preaches. Others are covering apostles' teaching and fellowship, but for today, I'm concentrating on the phrase to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Acts, as you know, is written by Luke as the second chapter of a two-part historical account. Firstly, into the life of Jesus via his gospel, and then the activity of the Holy Spirit in Acts. There is no evidence he met Jesus, but he spent a lot of time with Paul. The two chapters were written in a chronological order by an educated Greek doctor. He, he not only wrote about the beginnings of Christianity, he lived it. And his book contains 27.5% of the New Testament. You can tell I like numbers. Everything has changed. The 120 who met and waited after the resurrection had become in a flash 3,120 and, and growing every day. The difference the coming of the Holy Spirit made cannot be underestimated. And Jesus said in John 14 verse 12, very truly I tell you whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. He had gone and it was happening. From being a fearful band of locked up followers, they were now a church. And, and verse 42 tells us that they were devoted. This is not a word we use often, unless perhaps we refer to an excellent Christian fellowship. Uh, oh, Christian festival held in the summer. The dictionary says devoted is that which we give most of our time and energy to. We understand I think what a devoted mother looks like or a devoted Spurs fan agonises over, perhaps even what a devoted Star Trek follower might be. I looked up the original Greek for the word used, um, proskaterio. It means stick to something determinedly, steadfastly continuing. And in this case, in the four aspects of church life outlined in verse 42, these people did not want to be anywhere else. They came to Jerusalem from all over the known world, and now they don't want to go home. The answer to life's biggest questions have been placed in their grasp, and they knew the truth deep inside. So learning, being a fellowship, engaging in, with Christ's ministry, following his example of prayer, these were now life's priorities. It's exciting. And I find myself asking, do I want to be part of a church that looks like this? Let's examine uh, a bit more closely the term 
to the breaking of bread. This phrase has a dual meaning. First, it often referred to the simple act of eating a meal together. We see this uh, in, in Acts 27, 35 to 36. And when he had said these things, he, this is Paul, took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. Not only did Paul partake of this meal, he shared it with others, in this case, on a ship. The partaking of a meal was perhaps the most intimate form of fellowship one could have with fellow believers. In the ancient Near Eastern world, when a guest was invited to a meal with his host, it was incumbent upon the host to provide protection for the guest. This helps explain Psalm 23, verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. To have a meal with a brother and sister in Christ is to say you're at peace with them. The second use of this phrase is rooted in the words given by Jesus when he celebrated the memorial meal with his followers. As Luke says in 22:19, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do it in remembrance of me. And communion reminds us of our common union in Christ. We do it because Christ commanded it, because it reinforces the truth of the gospel and it preserves unity in the church. If we take the early church in Corinth, that was filled with conflict and division. So Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the cup of blessing that we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. In the early church, it was common for believers to eat an ordinary meal together and then follow it up with communion. So commentators are divided a bit on what this phrase in verse 42 is referring to, but reading the ESV, which has a more exact translation, perhaps provides more insight. With the inclusion of the <laughs> definite article, the, we perhaps see that Luke is not referring to a regular meal here, but to the breaking of bread, that is the Lord's Supper. By the same token, the members of the early church were not simply committed to prayer, but to the prayers, that is formal prayer gatherings. This, this fits better into the context of the verse. Through lockdown, I've confirmed, should, should it be necessary, that I'm devoted to eating and have learned new skills in the cooking of lamb shanks and scones from scratch. These are special things I want to share with friends and visitors. The breaking of bread is not to feed our bodies, but our souls. And one of my favourite accounts is Jesus, after the resurrection meeting, after the resurrection meeting, the two on the way to Emmaus. Luke 24 records it. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning with us, within us, while we talked 
while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus had recognized, was recognized by them when he broke the bread. The picture behind me is Caravaggio's painting of the scene. But to me, the important point is that it's only Luke, the historian, who records this event. I can see why the new church would be devoted to this command of Jesus to do this in remembrance of me. An event just only weeks before. It's a real connection with the risen Christ. Now, let's look at the devotion they had to the prayers. Whether we take it that verse 42 was praying personally and without public fuss as Jesus taught them, or whether the prayers refers to, the, in the context of the verse, to um, more formal corporate prayers as part of a worshipping church life, I actually don't think we need much more teaching on the subject of prayer. Only a few months ago, the church engaged on the prayer course, which is still available to follow on the site prayercourse.org or with uh, Pete Gregg's excellent book. Speaking for those in our group that I was in, um, we found it very informative and energizing. So if you couldn't do it, then do it now. I've been back through the Gospels and you know, they don't record much about the disciples praying. Not to say that they didn't. There is a lot about Jesus praying and teaching others how to pray. Except perhaps in one clear instance in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus invites them to a prayer meeting. Luke records it in chapter 2, but so does Matthew and Mark. Here is Matthew's version. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Then he came back and he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. At his time of greatest need, his closest friends could not stay awake for even one hour. In the Acts of the Apostles, it's quite different. As references to prayer abound 
with phenomenal results, healings and miracles, Peter escapes from prison while the church prayed in Acts 12. It's just an example of a miracle. Prayer works in our own church everywhere. Read some of Pete Gregg's accounts uh, of the 24-7 prayer movement and we can see why he and his band are devoted to prayer today. Talk to folk who join in the church prayer meetings and they will tell you of answered prayer. Why do we pray? Well, I suppose we just ask a question. If I am given a means with which I can communicate with the creator who holds my future in his hand, who has already done so much for me and wants me to love him and engage with his plans, would I not want to take hold of it with both hands and a wholehearted desire? You know, even atheists pray. It's said that worry is an atheist prayer to nobody that something won't happen. Our God says in Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. I'm going to pick three quick points before we break bread and pray. I'm going to give you a spoiler alert because the first is quite challenging and the third is very encouraging. Revelation is a challenging book in many ways. And in chapters two and three, a warning is given to the churches who seem to have lost their sense of devotion. For example, Ephesus, that they have forsaken their first love. They're doing great things, but love for Jesus is growing cold. To the church based in Sardis, that they need to wake up to the church based in Laodicea, that they are neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. If we are devoted to our God, be it the loving Father or the saving Lord Jesus or the enabling Holy Spirit, then we all as individuals and a church need to examine our prayer life. Secondly, Acts 2 describes how the church was born, energised by the same Holy Spirit that hovered over the waters in creation. The same Holy Spirit who lives in every believer in Jesus. No wonder these Acts 2 believers were devoted. They were in the moment. It was exciting and they didn't want to be anywhere else. But in particular, the 3,000 or even more who had not met Jesus would be learning about Jesus's teaching on prayer and breaking bread and other things. They needed this as preparation for what was to come. The persecution in Jerusalem that would scatter this group all over the known world to spread the gospel and establish new churches. And we are direct descendants of that process and likewise need the teaching, fellowship, prayers and breaking bread of a worshipping community to prepare us for what is to come. And finally, you need to know, I need to know, Jesus is devoted to you. Why else would he come, suffer and be separated from his father to redeem us as he, if he didn't? Just look at the cross. And he loves us even though he knows all our faults. He prays for us, intercedes for us and says he will never leave us. He has even prepared a place for us. That is devotion. So, like that Acts 2 community, 
let's take bread and wine and join with them in an act of remembrance and proclamation. And if you're not able to do it now, why not try doing it with family or friends after a meal? It's not magic, but it is a sacrament and Jesus asks us to do it. So Paul says in Corinthians 11, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now let's pray as Jesus taught them and us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we all say, Amen. Amen.